so much. Please take your seat. God bless you. Great to be with you again. How you doing? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. That's uh, great. I was just just saying to Josh, I like I like the young guy that's playing the acoustic, the Hat Man. Wow, you play that like a ukulele, man. It's awesome. I love the sound of that. We had a Spanish guy in uh, the church I was pastoring in uh, in Australia, and he had a little. It looked like a mandolin, but it was twelve string. And he would strum it like that. And the sound out of that was just awesome. How we know it's great to just have a good full sound and be able to get in and just worship and love on God and enjoy it. I grew up in a church where, you know, the more miserable you looked, the more holy you were. And, um, you know, after a few years of that, you kind of go, I'm sure there's, there's something different than that. Amen. And uh, so it's good to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity to share with you. I've got a few copies of a small book called Breaking the Spirit of Poverty, which I released uh, the middle of last year. I think we, we finally got it out. And um, it's, it's basically just dealing with mindsets. How many know the difference between poverty and prosperity is about mindsets? It's not about money, not about circumstances, that kind of thing. And uh, one of the things that um, I, I, guess, I, I guess in some ways this is probably one of my major life messages. I hate poverty. I hate seeing the church in the West locked up with crazy thinking about, uh, you know, poverty and prosperity. I think a lot of the prosperity teaching is more to do with materialism than it is biblical prosperity. And um, so anyway, you can have a look at that later. You can read it in a couple of hours. I set out to write a fairly comprehensive book on finance because it's one of my kind of favorite things in that sense. And, um, but I felt the Lord say to me, I just write something really simple that people can read. So it's a, pretty much a teaching book. And so you can get that for 10 bucks. Turn to somebody and say, that's really cheap. How can you buy a book for 10 bucks? That's cheap. And um, the, the other thing you can do, I was in Africa at the end of last year. Uh, in Uganda and Kenya speaking at pastors conferences and uh, unusual I don't normally speak on finance at pastors conferences but I just really felt the Lord would have me start to address some of this and it just opened a real can of worms and began to realize how much abuse there is in the church in relation to finance in Africa and so we um, <clears throat> we've started printing books there in both English and I've had it translated into Swahili and so we're giving them to pastors in Uganda Kenya and Tanzania and we can actually put one in the hand of a pastor for about a dollar twenty something like that dollar fifteen dollar twenty so when you buy your book for ten bucks put another ten bucks in the in the kitty and you'll be giving a book to ten one book to each to ten African pastors in either Uganda Kenya or Tanzania so if you'd like to be part of that uh well there it is and um and so that's good. I, I was talking to the Lord last night and, and um, you know, just saying, Lord, what season is this church in? What season are you in? And I know, of course, that there's been a change of season because there's been a change of your senior leader and that's always, you know, part of the deal. But I felt the Lord say to me that you're in a season of sowing and uh, establishing. Sowing and establishing. And when we go through a season of change, whether it's in our personal lives or in 
you know, the church life or whatever, often even foundational things have to be changed, go through an adjustment. And sometimes that can be very subtle and you're hardly even aware of it until you look back. How many of you look back at different seasons of your life and suddenly realize a whole bunch of stuff had changed even though you weren't aware it was changing at the time because it was subtle. And then there are other times where God in his wonderful grace and mercy hits you like a wrecking ball. Anybody been there? It's kind of... And, uh, you know, crisis shifts you into another season or whatever it is. And those kind of things are there. And I was uh, reminded again of Joshua 1, you know, the, the transition between Moses and Joshua that ushered in a totally different season. And, of course, there's a whole different style of leadership, each with its uh, unique contribution and purpose. But you find as soon as Joshua picked up the leadership, God recommissioned Israel, brought them back to their original mission, which was to go into the promised land. So it wasn't like it was a a new mission. It was the same mission, but they were recommissioned to that mission. And part of it involved a realigning of people and resources so the mission was fulfilled. How many know that the mission isn't fulfilled unless we engage with it? And this is an alignment of our lives and resources and all of that kind of thing to see it fulfilled. And then, of course, part of that is the reassignment of people. And so people get reassigned to different roles and different functions and different expressions. And that's always part of it and uh, is necessary changes. And I, I kind of reckon this is going to be ongoing for you guys for a little while yet. A little while yet. This is what I saw. I saw greater strength coming into the house. Purpose in diversity. I see a mosaic of people and expressions gradually connecting over this next season and finding their place. It's very colorful and it actually reminds me what I can see reminded me of the mosaics on the floor in St. Peter's in Rome that are very striking and a great sense of strength and permanence about it. Uh, I believe these are very strategic times for you as a church. It's a time when we we need, how many know that we need to be led by the Holy Spirit? You know, so much of that can be a cliche in our personal lives, in our church life. We can talk about it, but one of the things I've discovered is, is sometimes it's quite challenging to actually allow God to lead you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We've got our own ideas, our own programs, our own preferences, all of that kind of stuff. But to actually actually come to the place where, you know, we, we just really are desperate to hear the voice of God and know that our life is not just heading in the general direction, but that we really are aligned with the purposes of God, both individually and corporately. And so this morning, I want to remind you of some things that are very basic. You know, sometimes in church life, because they're so familiar to us that we can take things for granted that are actually very important. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bible this morning to Psalm 84. If you would turn to Psalm 84. Are you doing okay? Psalm 84, we're going to read um, the first 12 verses. In fact, I think that's about the lot. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. 
Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have a young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. The word selah means pause and think about it. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs and the autumn rains also cover it with pools and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Selah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. You could get happy about there. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. You know, if you look in your Bible, depending what Bible you've got, but just under the chapter heading, there'll be something in your Bible or in the margin that says, on an instrument of Gath, a psalm of the sons of Korah uh, to the chief musician. Uh, so this is a song that was played on an instrument of Gath. Uh, some translations say a gitteth. In your, in your margin. It's a stringed instrument. Maybe it's a, a predecessor of the guitar. Who would know? And, uh, and it's very significant to understand the setting of the psalm because the psalm was written by the leader's kids. It says the sons of Korah, and Korah was a leader, and it was a played on an instrument from Gath, and Gath is a city of the Philistines. It's a pagan city. So you kind of wonder, how did these leaders' kids get hold of a gitteth, an instrument from Gath? And, uh, you know, and the psalm is written by these leaders' kids who have picked up some worldly instrument and, uh, you know, they're playing away, but there's such revelation in it that somehow uh, it gets directed to the chief musicians so they can sing it in church. And I kind of think it was something like this, you know, maybe some of those kids got a bit backslidden or whatever and perhaps they're down in a nightclub in, in uh, Gath, you know, and they're listening to this guy play a gitteth. I'm sure it sounded like a distorted guitar, something like that. And I don't know what was going on. Maybe, maybe they're thinking back to, oh, I remember when I used to go into the temple and all the people. And anyway, maybe they head off back, but before they go, they get themselves one of them, their gitteths. Go down to the Gitteth shop, buy a Gitteth, a big amplifier and whatever. And I reckon they were probably playing the Gitteth in the back room of the temple and one of the elders came in and said, what's that racket coming out of the back room? <laughs> you know. But he listens to the words and he goes, these kids have got some revelation. Do you know the, the words to that, boys? Can you write down the chord chart and let's give it to the musician so we can sing it in church? You know, that kind of thing. And it, it's amazing when you think about it that how they unpack this, they start off by saying, how lovely is your dwelling place, 
O Lord Almighty, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. So they're saying, I love church. I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to meet with God and meet with the people as we gather together in the courts of the Lord. I can't, I can't wait to get there. And, and, and this is all coming from a bunch of leaders' king, kids while they're bashing away on a gittith. Maybe they didn't bash away. Maybe they plucked the strings. I don't know. Maybe it was a precursor to a violin. And then they go on to explain some of the reasons why they love church. And I want you to think about this in the context of, of, of what we have in local church life and the intention of God and the vision and what God is wanting to build and how we're, uh, you know, to protect that. It says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself. You know, there's a home for everyone in the house of God. When you connect up with the people of God and when you connect up with a good local church, you find a place that you can call a home. You find a place of rest, a place of security, a nest. But how many of you know you can choose that or you can neglect that? See? But that's what it's about. And, and how many of you tried doing life on your own and found it was pretty tough? You know, Because we were created for community. We were created for relationship. We were created for communication and interaction with other people. And when you settle into the blessing of church life, sometimes you can forget what it used to be like when it was tough trying to do life on your own. And we forget just what we've got. You'll notice it says a sparrow has found a home. You know, the sparrow is the most common bird in the world. There are zillions of them. It's talking about insignificant, an insignificant bird. Even in people that feel insignificant can find significance in the purposes of God, in the house of God. It, it talks also, uh, you know, those um, the people that are misplaced and displaced can find a place. It talks about the swallow a ne- finding a nest for herself where she may have a young a place near the older. You know, it's a place where the hopes and dreams of the future can be brought to birth, where, where the things that you carry within you can be nurtured. How many know this is to be an environment of encouragement for one another, where we can share our dreams and visions and, and together in the purposes of God, see those things realized, where the future can take shape with hope and a confident expectation of great things to come. We need to be providing that kind of attitude and carrying that kind of an attitude. It's a place of consecration near to the altar of God. You know, uh, our lives need to only find meaning in increasing dedication to God and His purposes. It's only, you know, the dreams that you have will only find uh, a real meaning in your life when they're connected to the purposes of God. And when there's a consecration at the altar where those things are brought to birth because our lives and our future is meant to be invested in eternal purposes. You were, you were created for something bigger than yourself. Amen. We were created for something beyond our own capacity to be united together in the purposes of God. And so these, these young people are singing about this and I love church. That's where my dreams are going to be fulfilled. That's where I'm going to find a sense of purpose, not just in community, but in, in the fulfillment of my dreams. It blessed are those who dwell in your house. The word blessed 
can equally be translated to be envied. It's one of the, the meanings of the word, to be envied are those who dwell in your house because the place of the favor and blessing of God. But I want you to notice it talks about dwelling, which means to sit down or be encompassed about. So in other words, where our life is encircled about with the things of the house of God, uh, where we dwell there, where we allow our roots to go down into the soil, where we're connected and uh, stabilized by the strength of that connection to other people and the purposes of God, it becomes a place of blessing. I love the the next couple of verses are probably my favorite verses. Uh, And it says, um, you know, again, that word blessed, to be envied uh, is the one whose strength is in you. And the word strength there means, um, you know, they place their trust or their, their faith, their rest in God. How many know it's a great thing to be able to rest in life, to come to a place of rest? I don't mean sleep, but where, in, you know, the striving and struggling of life has ceased and now you're able to rest. Rest, rest and trust is the highest expression of faith. And it's only in that place that you learn what Jesus meant when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is life. You'll find rest to your soul. That emotional part of your being will come into a place of rest. And here these guys connect it uh, with those that dwell in the house, who put their uh, trust in God. And he goes on to say, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. So it's about, I'm not settling down in a sense of rest, but I'm committed to do the journey with God and with the people of God. How many know that you're on a journey? Oh, that was pathetic. Amen. God is in the process of processing you, isn't He? You're going somewhere. Where we are right now is not the destination. It's just part of the journey. And we're on that journey. But you'll notice that, that this blessing uh, on those that trust God, this, this to be envied kind of lifestyle comes on those who have committed their heart to doing that journey. And what you discover is there are many people that come to Christ and begin, uh, you know, their journey of life with God and with the people of God, but because they never fully commit to doing the journey, they never become all that God intends them to be. They never achieve all God intends them to because they're not committed to to that ongoing process of change and development and growth and challenge and all of that and, um, and just in keeping that going. And then you'll notice what it says that, because of that kind of commitment, because their, their roots are down in the house of God, that when they go through the tough times, through the valley, the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, it says that they make it a place of springs. Not God, they do. Because of the grace on their life, because of their positioning in life, they have learned what it means to turn their mourning into dancing. They know how to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. They, they know how to bring in the favor of God on the tough times. I love that. It says it goes on from strength to strength. Come on, I don't know about you. I want to go from strength to strength. I want to be one that because of the way I've laid the foundation of my life, that in those tough times, there's a capacity to position myself, to receive of the grace of God, to receive of His strength and His fresh anointing and refreshing, even in the middle of tough times. And if you've never been to the valley of weeping, buckle your seats. We all get there from time to time, don't we? And, um, but see, isn't it amazing when you think about it, this is a bunch of leaders kids singing about, how the, singing about why they love church and the revelation that's flowing. I can understand why somebody said, we need to get this song to to Josh and we need to sing it next Sunday, you know. 
because it's, it just contains so much about what this house is about and what every house is about in the purposes of God. And um, hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty, listen to me, O God of Jacob. When you love the house and you dwell in the house, set your heart on pilgrimage in that place of blessing, that's the place where your prayers get answered. You know, it's an interesting thing, but when Solomon dedicated the temple, he prayed to God that God, that he would uh, listen uh, to the prayers that people offered in the temple, in that place. And God responded to Solomon and he said, I will uh, tune my ear to the prayers of people in this place. I will hear them and I will answer their prayers. And you know, when we come together in unity of heart, in the purposes of God, that's the place where Jesus said, if two of you will agree as touching anything they ask the Father in my name, he will do it. I don't know about, have you ever thought that prayer is miracle seeding? It's sowing seeds for miracles. And you know, if we really kind of got a hold of that, I don't know about you, but if we had a conviction about that, I reckon our prayer life would change. Come on. And, but, but he's saying, putting it in the context, see, of those that dwell in the house of God, those that have a heart to, to work together and walk together in the purposes of God. No wonder these kids are saying, I love church, I can't wait to get to church. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Yeah, this is a place of life and blessing. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Look, your walk and my walk is not blameless because we're good. Our walk is blameless because of Jesus and our life is hidden in him. And so you can, and I, as we, you know, commit to do the journey, to, to, to build the house of God, to, to dwell together and walk with him, can, uh, can rest assured. It says he's our sun and shield talks about protection. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. Listen, God doesn't want to meet your needs. He wants to bless you. Come on, somebody. He wants to bless you. Uh, we're, I believe God wants us to enjoy life. Does that mean it's always a bed of roses? Of course not. But in the midst of your challenge, he's there. He'll pick you up. You know, and, uh, and uh, you know, when you, if you stay under the cloud, you know, the children of Israel had to stay under the cloud. They had to move when the cloud moved and stop when the cloud stopped. But here's the deal. If you stay under the cloud, it's a place of protection, a place of provision, a place of his presence, and a place of his power. I've been going to church all my life. There was a few years where I was a bit dodgy, I'd have to say. And I tell you what, there's nothing worse than a back, backslidden Christian. I, I've tried that, and you can pretend you know, some of you probably heard me say, I'd, I'd be, I was the worst person to invite to your party. I'd have a few drinks and start preaching because I knew that's not where it's at. You know, Jesus is the answer. and You know what I mean? And you can pretend you're having fun and you can put on the look and do the gig and whatever. But at the end of, the, uh, of the, the end of it, there is no place like being connected with the house of God 
connected with the, the people of God and committed to do the journey together and to pull in the favour of God and determine that you're going to break through and do something great in the purposes of God. I think it's awesome. I remember years and years ago, I walked out of a church one morning. I turned to my wife. I said, I will never darken the door of another church as long as I live. And I thought, I think God went, yep, we'll see. <laughs> Man, I, I love what these kids got, you know. Just what they're thinking about, what they're seeing. No good thing does he withhold. Like the prodigal son, fully restored. You know, position, authority, provision, totally restored. He couldn't earn it. Didn't deserve it. Couldn't negotiate for it. But out of the Father's love and grace, it just poured out on him. Wow. <laughs> oh, Lord Almighty, blessed is the man, is the woman who trusts in you to be envied. And, you know, that's what church life's all about, isn't it? It's about this community where we are called out from what some other, so many other people would call normal life. We're called out uh, to become the family of God, to be linked together, to be embracing the purposes of God. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll tell you, I can't wait to get to church on Sunday. And I get into a lot of churches, some are better than others, and you know, sometimes the worship's good and sometimes it ain't. But here's what I've discovered. You can, you can draw from God anywhere you are, anytime you want. And when you come together with people, it is true. Uh, what Pastor was saying bef before about entering, you know, the gates with thanksgiving, the courts with praise. But, you know, there's a sense in which you're always in the presence of God. But it's just when we come together, there's that corporate anointing and corporate faith. This is the place where we can come with our prayers. This is the place where we can come with our dreams. This is the place where we can be nurtured and come with an expectation of God. What is your expectation? See, the problem is so often we, we know who the preacher's going to be. We know what the normal routine is. And that kind of sets a cap on our expectation. But listen, God is bigger than that. And some of the greatest miracles and things like that I've seen over my life have happened in the most uh, normal ways, in the most ordinary situations without, you know, too much drama or anything around about it. But somebody just got touched by the power of God. God just broke through in somebody's circumstances. Something shifted, you know. But, you know, there's some practical implications of that. If we, if we want to enjoy this kind of relationship with God and the house of God built in the way that he intends, there are some things that that, you know, it's our privilege to enjoy and participate in that, but it's also our responsibility to protect it, to build it, to commit to seeing this kind of concept become a reality. How many know it's great to read about it in the book, but I don't know about you, I want to live in it. And I just go, well, that was a nice sermon. That was a nice theory. Yeah, well, these kids saw something in Psalm 84. I don't know about you, I, I want to be part of that. So here's some things that might um, irritate you. How, how do we, you know, how many know nothing just happens by coincidence? 
I mean, God breathes in things, but He always works with people. So there's the sovereignty of God and His purpose and His desire, but our response to that is the critical component. It's about will we join Him in this journey, in actually paying the price to see come out of it what God intends. Uh, I often say that, you know, Breakthrough comes when you make a strategic response to the Word of God, not just an emotional response. It's not about just seeing a scripture, hearing God speak, or sitting in a service like this and going, yeah, that was good, or that was bad, or whatever. It's about what are you going to do with it? What decision are you going to make? How is it going to change the way I think and speak and act and all of that? So that that becomes a reality rather than just a theory. So here's a few thoughts for you. Um, to create that and protect that kind of an environment, look for where the life is flowing and bless that. Look for where the life is flowing and bless that. Don't develop a critical spirit, sit in judgment when you don't have all the facts. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. Eat from the tree of life. Where life is, if life is flowing on the youth, bless that. If life is flowing on the worship team, bless that. If life is flowing on the person sitting next to you, bless them. Do you know what I mean? Don't go around looking for where there's nothing happening or nothing's going so well and, and you know, all of this stuff. And just look for where the life is flowing and bless that. Be determined and absolutely unrestrained in releasing forgiveness. Releasing forgiveness. And forbearing with one another. Forbearing is a higher concept than forgiveness. Forgiveness means I've taken the offense, now I need to forgive you. Forbearance is I didn't even receive the offense. I let it go by. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. I didn't take it on board. Now it's getting quiet, isn't it? Number two, don't take on other people's offenses. You see, every one of us has got grace for our own lives, grace for our own battles, grace for our own pain, if we will position ourselves to receive that grace. But I don't have grace for your pain and you don't have grace for mine. That's why it says in, in Galatians 6 and verse 1, if somebody's overtaken with a, with a fault, with a sin, let those that are spiritual restore them, but be careful how you do so that you don't pick up the wound that they carry into your own spirit. And, and so that's why the Bible says don't listen to other, pieces, other people's grievances. Don't listen to their offenses. Send them back to the person that caused the offense or to the person that has responsibility to sort it out. Matthew 18, 15, 20 is the biblical model and we need to hold each other accountable to that. Otherwise it becomes gossip and it can pollute your own spirit and destroy the very atmosphere of what we've been talking about in Psalm 84. Don't pick up other people's offenses. Hello? It's even getting quieter. It's in the book. I'm amazed. You know, uh, Matthew 18 is so clear. uh, And yet in church after church, you see it violated all the time. Somebody uh, comes with with some complaints. They stop now and go to the person that caused it or the leadership or somebody else. I don't need to hear that. I know that never happens in this church, but you know, some churches you go to, you do see it. Number three, don't 
place unrealistic expectations on people. Don't place unrealistic expectations on other people, on the leaders, on congregational members, on leaders' children. We're all on a journey and still a work in progress. Why is it that we expect other people to be perfect when we're not perfect ourselves? I know some of you probably are perfect. Maybe. Probably not. How many know it's easier to see somebody else's fault than your own? It's so destructive to see... See, the, the, the whole thing about church life is about atmosphere. It's about having an atmosphere that's conducive for God to move. Creating an environment that empowers the Spirit of God doesn't rob from it. And so if we're, if we're not kind of allowing these things to direct our conduct, our thoughts, our speech, we can never, we can never create an environment where God is free to move. Because there's always stuff there that stops the breakthrough, start, you know, that restricts. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Some of you look at me like, when are you going home? I'm going home soon. <laughs> Number four, don't bail out when things get tough. When you get misunderstood or feel rejected. Don't quit over unanswered questions or frustrations. I've had tons of them. Anybody else had any of those? Been misunderstood, frustrated, unanswered questions? Man, learn to keep a sweet spirit. It's a decision. I'm not going to let anything, anybody pollute what's inside of me. I don't care. I'm not going to take it on board. I, I've made a decision. I'm going to grow all sweet. Look at me, I'm sweet. You know, just, I mean, isn't it a choice? You know, it's a choice. And actually, I don't know whether you realize that, but <laughs> taking offense is a sign of your own brokenness and immaturity. That's what it is. You know, think about it. How many know the Bible says that we are to be dead in Christ? So if you're dead, you can't take offense. Amen. Did you say something about sandpaper in the... You did. Anyway, I'm going soon. Actually, you know, one of the things is God puts you with the people you need. Often it's not the people you want. And here's the deal. You don't have to like everybody, but you've got to love everybody. Work that one out. Appreciate what you've got and be the change you want to see. You know, Barack Obama has said a lot of things, but one of the things he said before he started his first term as president was this, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. I just think that's such a powerful statement. You have to take 100% responsibility for your life, for your emotions, your attitudes, your speaking, your behavior. And you have to adopt the position that you are responsible for everything you're experiencing in life. 
Otherwise, if we start blaming somebody else or making excuses, we shift the power out of ourselves and we have no ability to deal with it. And so we develop a victim's mentality and we, we spend all our life with excuses rather than results. And, you know, as a church, you're in a fantastic season. I, I really sense a lot of strength coming into the house. I do. I can't explain that. Um, that's not to say there hasn't been strength before. I just think there's a new season where God's taken some stuff to another level. And I think it's a very exciting time. And I, I want to encourage you to go away and think about Psalm 84 and go through it in your leisure and just think about the increments there and what it was that captured the heart of these young people that they would write a song that started off by saying, I love church, I can't wait to go to church, I think it's awesome. And then they begin to spell it out. And I don't know about you, but I just love the idea of that and being, being part of that and going, that's the kind of thing I want to sow my life into. Something where people can come that, that do feel insignificant or they, they have been displaced and misplaced and, and where they've got dreams that have been damaged and, and distorted and all of that stuff where they can come and, you know, there's that environment that's, that's healthy and healing and releasing and empowering and where we can come together and actually believe God will answer our prayers. God's on this run, you know. To hell with the devil. You know, we know there's a whole lot of stuff going on. But at the end of the day, God is still on the throne. He still answers prayer. He doesn't respond to your needs. He responds to your faith. And when we come and stand on the word and say, God, here we are, your people. We're, we're calling out in your name. We're believing you for something great. I just think so often our dreams are so small that God can't even get excited about it. You know, God, give me something that gets me excited and you get a bunch of people that just, and let's go. Amen. You doing all right? Well, why don't we stand? Let's just stand. Perhaps the worship team come. I want you just to lock in with the Lord for a moment. Would you just close your eyes and, you know, it's not really a spiritual thing, but it, it helps us from being distracted. Just shut in for a moment and just, just still your heart. Uh, just, just ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me out of all of this? Where are the blind spots in my life? Where are, the, where are the things that I need to address and things I need to change in the way I think or speak or the eyes I look through, the attitudes I carry? And Father, I pray this morning that, that just by your Spirit, you would, you would settle in our hearts and minds and you would take those things that are particularly relevant and pertinent to our individual lives and, and God, you would just reinforce them. I pray that nothing uh, of your spirit would fall to the ground, but, but Father, we would carry everything that you intend to be imparted this morning. And Father, I take authority this morning over every device of the enemy to rob and steal and to take from people today. We bind the spirits of darkness in Jesus' name. And Father, I release your purposes. 
the full outworking of your purposes in individual lives. And in this place corporately, we thank you, Father, for your hand upon this place. We thank you for your hand upon the lives of your people, upon their marriages, their families, their health, their finances. We thank you, God, that you're a healing, delivering God. You're a good God. You're a God of blessing and favor. And Father, today we just position ourselves to draw that in. Say, Father, have your way. Deal with us. Speak to us. Empower us. Move us forward in your purpose. As we commit our hearts to be people that are committed to the journey. Rooted in your house. Dwelling in the house of God. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just begin to thank Him across this place? What is it in your life? Just just lift up your appreciation to God. Just begin to position yourself. You know, maybe there are things in your life that you need a breakthrough on. Why don't you slip up your hand if that's you? You need a breakthrough in your health, your finance, relationships, whatever. Just lift your hand. We're going to pray. Why don't some of you, hold your hand right up high and Others of you, just gather around. Put your hand upon them right now. Come on, we're brothers and sisters together. Come and lay your hands on some of those folk that have got their hands up and stand with them in faith this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God, right now, I just release a breakthrough anointing over the lives of these people, over their circumstance over their health, over their finance, over their relationships. Father, You know every detail, You know every need. And right now, Father, I release breakthrough, miracle power into their circumstances, into their situation. In the Name of Jesus, totally healed in Jesus' Name, totally restored, totally set free. Father, in the Name of Jesus today, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.